Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Jungle, presented by Deserto. Uh, the 2022 League of Legends season has kicked off, and it has been explosive in the first three weeks in North America. How many weeks everywhere else, Tom? Five, I think week five, yes. week six? Yeah, it's like week six in LEC, week five. We I just believe. don't count lock-in now. just doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, especially who after cares that about lock-in? <laughs> I, I mean, I theoretically, I theoretically care about lock-in. However, do I practically care about lock-in when none of the players were there now? But I think it could be fun in a theoretical universe. Well, uh, we are in reality now because the league space needs us. The jungle is back. Digon, Monty, and Dom here to break down all things league. Uh, and I think we got to start with the big news, guys. Uh, FlyQuest is in first place in the LCS. I'm kidding. All oh, right, that's uh, the big news. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, people care about FlyQuest. That's what I expected was going to come out of your mouth. Uh, hey, uh, LS took over Cloud9. It was a big coup. And uh, very, very abruptly, uh, four hours before the LCS, uh, week two or week three we're at. Week three. Uh, week three, uh, Cloud9 shot out a tweet that LS had been removed as the head coach and that Max Waldo has taken over. Uh, since then, chaos had ensued. Text messages, DMs, wakes like it was a funeral. I went through a grieving process. So I, I kind of want to just get your thoughts there and we'll start with you, uh, Monty. Uh, this news was just massive. I mean, why don't you give me your fucking thoughts, guys? You're on the show with him. You're you're on you're on Facebook. Why, we didn't you tell me I don't know anything. Week. What do you guys know? Yeah, actually, yeah, we did do an episode. Uh, yeah, uh, we don't we don't know anything either. I mean, like, I know things that are not confirmed that I have no like confidence in being able to say publicly. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I actually don't really know what's going on, and the things that I heard didn't really make sense to me. So that's like also the issue because when I look at this situation. Uh, on a surface level, I feel like something massive must have occurred. Like if you build the whole roster about LS, around LS and then you're benching him after two weeks or just removing him from the org for two weeks, it's not like, oh, like, let's see if we, he can function in a different capacity within the organization or maybe we lessen the load. Maybe he goes to like strategic coach or something um, so he can just like not have as much like responsibility. No, like you're just removing him from the entire org instantly. I feel like something crazy must have happened. And one of the things that I'm seeing is people say, oh, well, maybe it has something to do with the Korean visa. There's no way in my mind. They would mind just that... say it. They would just say it yeah. if it was. Yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> no way it. in my mind this could be possible. So <laughs> well, yeah. there's no reason to not just say that's the reason if it was the reason, guys. Like that is the stupidest conspiracy theory. Yeah, you know, this this goes up there in the greatest uh, streaming mysteries of all, all time. Like, why was Dr. Disrespect banned from Twitch? I actually know the answer to that. Um, for real, Whoa! not like Slasher. Who doesn't know the answer? Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. So say it all. I'm not going to tell you. Sasha catches strays. What just happened? <laughs> so are you? Right. Sasha doesn't it? exist anymore, so it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but uh, this one, look, there's only one plausible explanation given what's happened, because here is the available evidence. LS was only in America for like two, three weeks uh, before mm. this happened. The players signed on for this project so we know they like ls as far as we know the coaches are all students or friends of of ls's so the only rational explanation is that he got into a fight with cloud nine management that's that's literally it that that must be what happened um it seems like the disagreement was at least i mean he seems to be taking it well so and the org doesn't seem to 
you, I would imagine that he signed a a uh, an agreement when he left that had a non disparagement clause in it, and I imagine that he is getting paid a significant significant sum of money upon exiting the org. Uh, so he's not going to say bad things. That is my theory of what happened. It seems pretty reasonable overall that there probably was some sort of disagreement between LS and Jack or other management figures on cloud nine and that they decided that they couldn't continue forward. And honestly, this shouldn't be that surprising because Jack in the past, if you look historically at the way he GMs the cloud nine roster, he is unafraid to make very serious changes. Remember when he like benched Bench the whole his team. entire team? Uh, remember when he got rid of Reaper uh, after winning? Like if, if he senses that there is a direction that the team is going, that he doesn't like, that he thinks is going to be negative in the long run, he is very decisive about that. And for all the people criticizing Jack, this move cost him a fuck ton of money, guys. Like, there's no way he made this lightly. The content was doing really well. The viewership was doing really well. The hype was doing really well. His team was playing well. They were doing interesting things. Everybody was excited. This move will cost Cloud9 and Jack literally millions of dollars from paying whatever they're going to pay LS to leave. And then on top of all the lost revenue they could have had through sponsorship, this is a big deal. So I don't think it was made lightly. And I don't think that Jack did it because he's a clown and there's no reason. Like he has been hands down the best GM in LCS, period. So. I, I, I think that, I, I wonder if it was like, the only other thing that I've kind of come up with that is reasonable, that isn't just chasing down uh, the theories other than the, the gameplay stuff is, uh, a a management thing, a not management ownership group thing, where like, hey, where's our guy? Why isn't he uh, uh, at practice, or why isn't he, or can he take this type of uh, sponsorship deal? Or you know, are there blockers to that? Where it was just like, hey, they checked in earlier that week because the 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 big thing about all of this is how surprising it was because it was surprising to almost everyone except fudge according to this interview if you read into it kind of hard that he had with uh, uh over at the lcs and that he's like oh i could kind of see it coming but other than that we just have heard nothing so it feels very abrupt the social team didn't feel prepped for it uh I, the management team didn't feel prepped for it the players got told the the day of or the you know the night before so it very much reminds me of the time over at Golden Guardians, how it was very abrupt. It was an abrupt change of leadership and of the architect. You're taking away the architect of how things are going to go. Different here at Cloud9 because you have a lot of other people that have that know the system and know how it should be done rather than what we did at Golden also Guardians still, where we promoted another coach. It's also still fundamentally a world's caliber roster, even without LS. Like, it, right. I don't think anybody reasonably expects this team to not be top three, given the current state of the rest of the LCS. So it seems like, while they won't have the same ceiling, I don't think, without LS, they certain their floor is still very high. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to to take a side. I'm surprised at how how the community has already decided who's right and wrong without any information yeah. yet like that's yeah. that's the, the weirdest part about going into all these threads is like and just seeing the the general response from the community which is like cloud nine fucked up right like cloud nine ruined everything like that that is what the sentiment is and it's like i like i know both parties right and i think jack is a smart guy and i think ls is a smart yes. guy so yep. i don't think like I don't think it's going to be that black and white. Like, I don't think Jack was like, huh, maybe we just cut LS for no reason. Like, maybe we just cut <laughs> maybe off I just our spend a, team. Maybe I just spend a few million dollars or lose a few million dollars because I feel like it. It yeah. doesn't make I, sense, guys. And, and by the way, it's perfectly 
it's perfectly feasible that there was a strong disagreement between LS and certain members of the org that wasn't ridiculous or isn't, you know, huge drama or anything earth shaking. And Jack, like I said, has made tough decisions before. And if he just thought, well, we've we've reached a fundamental disagreement or impasse, it's just better to end this now than have it drag on and get worse over time, where it could really explode into something serious. That's a completely reasonable thing that could have occurred. But mm -hmm. but, but something that I hate is that the players and the, uh, had to take the brunt of it from the media, from the fans, from casters, from everybody, and not... Jack, not Jonathan, stepped up to say something to be like, hey, don't talk to the media this week or here's what you need to say. And and it sucks, but this is what you need to say this week. We didn't get any of that. And it really felt like Fudge and Max were fending for themselves and Blabber were fending for themselves yeah. on the front. And wow. that is literally the job of your manager, of a general manager, to prevent those things from happening outside the game so you can perform your best. And there was nothing. There was silence. So I, I know it's probably better to get the plan in place, but it, you, you left the players out to dry. Yeah, yeah. But to be fair to Jack, uh, his father is currently dying, as he has said publicly. And so he has other personal issues that may be preventing him from being the face of the team and explaining. He's normally very good at that, by the way. Like, yes. I, he he makes content. He talks about it. He's been very forward facing with the fans and very transparent. So there are some very serious things that are happening in his personal life that he has expressed publicly on social media that are ongoing. And so I think it's somewhat unfair to hold him to that standard currently. Well, I mean, well, I just want to see yeah. what what's happening because people have said in interview. I mean, Darshan uh, said things, Fudge, Fudge has said things that allude to the fact that there will be more information coming out at some point. Like they weren't saying like, "Oh, well, we can't like talk." He said things will make sense one when you have more information, which assumes that we will at some point soon have, have more, more information to actually be able to uh, make like a judgment as a community as to like whether this was a fucked up decision from from either end. Um, but one thing I also wanted to, wanted to uh, throw in here is the possibility for it to actually be one of the um, disagreements with, with another member of coaching staff, for example, because one of the theories has been that like Max Waldo and LS were not getting together. Well, I mean, I know people are talking about like the unfollow drama on Twitter. It's like, why does LS not follow Max Waldo? Like, Holy shit. Like they were like, they were so close. Like what's actually going on here. Um, so I feel like that, like, we actually don't know anything. Like it could have been with the players. There, there could have been an issue between LS and the players, an issue with LS and the management, an issue with LS within his own coaching staff. I don't want to rule anything out when I actually have no information, um, about it. I mean, we can assume that he probably doesn't have any issue with fudge based off the fact that he like posted, um, today or Vagar, was, Vagar V2 said some stuff yeah. as well. Yeah. Or, or Vagar V2, um, who they've like cleared. So we, we've like eliminated some people, but it's like, it's a game of clue, you know, like we got to figure out who did what with what, when, you know, that that's what we're looking for here. It was Jack in the cloud nine house with a green card done. That was it. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll stop it down for there from now. Uh, all right. So that was the big news that have, has just been, swirling around like a wildfire but it also is testament to how much impact that ls and this cloud nine roster had in two weeks it was only two weeks of play because it felt like it was a a, a global change it felt like i mean this it's was fucking sad man seen. right because like 
it was fun to watch Cloud9. Like, it was fun to have LS in the LCS. It was fun to watch his drafts. It was fun to watch his strategies. It was fun to have his personality there. Um, it was probably fun for the people who run the LCS to have viewers. Uh, I know they're not used to that. So you know, it was a good, good change for them overall. Um, it, it sucks for LCS. I mean, I'm sure that they are pretty – Riot's probably pretty pissed that this happened. Uh, especially because they're not going to recoup the the co-streaming numbers because they banned that now, so LS can't just go back to that and pump their numbers again. Which is actually good. I I, I just want you to know that it's actually good. I, I I realized recently that I get more viewers when I don't show the LCS games and I just talk about it. People are like, we would rather watch your face and not see the game than actually see the gameplay. So. Uh, I think that that's just something that, that I didn't interpret fully. I was like, oh, I thought this was going to be, you know, negative for my streaming career, but it actually is a positive. Like more people will watch if they don't have to watch the LCS. <laughs> Incredible. That actually, that actually is a, a wonderful realization for you. I think you're more beautiful than the LCS too, Dom, but the bar was low. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> the, uh, I, and I know that there were uh, riot staff i guess is probably the best way to put it that were excited and and have made observations on the viewership change since co-streaming was taken down since ls had been there so i'm interested to see what the hit will be if there will be a hit because i was watching sunday's matches and it didn't look like there was a hit people you know it started slow with like you know i think it was the immortals the immortals game first and it was like immortals eg is that what it was yeah it started with that oh yeah yeah oh, was it yeah I think it was Immortal ZG, right? Revenge backdooring. Yeah. Because the pause. Yeah, the maybe. Really long yeah, pause. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The and then all the beef and that. We can get into the beef and that after. Yeah. yeah. So oh, like, we should actually, we should talk climbed. about that. We should talk about that fucking pause because I'm actually mega tilted about that. Anyway, continue. Yeah. Uh, and the viewership still seemed st like a steady climb to go watch uh, Cloud9 in the middle of the day. So it didn't seem like it affected it this week, but next week we'll keep an eye out for it to see will viewership change? I don't think so. I think people will continue to watch, but, um, you know, we might be wrong. Uh, all right, let's dive into that. So for people that didn't know, on Sunday, uh, there, was a, there was a bug that happened with an Orianna Shockwave. Vulcan didn't flash out of it um against uh immortals so it was eg immortals uh immortals were in the pit doing baron vulcan was going to go check around baron pit by the red buff stepped into the bush the oriana ball goes into the bush disappears for half the cast and then the second half uh just all of a sudden hits him he tries to flash out doesn't flash out they call a pause and a chrono break was then like studied it took uh, an insane amount of time, like 30 minutes to decide, is this chrono breakable? Yes. Where do we chrono break back to? Does this give an advantage? And the referee to go through all the different checks. This was a referee's dream. Referees uh, study and, and give, are given opportunities to make this type of a call if they're allowed to chrono break or not. And so this referee, I don't know who it was, or this group of referees step in and say, yes, this is chrono breakable. And at the end, uh, the Baron doesn't happen. Immortals win anyways, because they were in advantage, uh, not because they were in an advantageous position, but they win the game <laughs> in the interview. Uh, and on Twitter, subsequently, subsequently, Power of Evil kind of lighting up like, 
this was kind of bullshit because it they gained bullshit. an advantage. Uh, so, uh, Monty, go ahead. Like, what did you think about this chrono-breakable situation? So, first off, shout out to the new commissioner who said absolutely nothing about this, as far as I could tell, despite that ostensibly being the job of the commissioner to own these particular situations. So... Ghosts continue to be the commissioner of the LCS, as is tradition, as is tradition, to be fair. Uh, the new commissioner is Jackie Failing, who uh, just signed on, had spent multiple time, uh, multiple years in multiple different esports as commissioner in different roles of head of competition, but we'll go ahead. Yeah, uh, yes. So uh, um, I, I'll, I'll, hold, I'll hold my tongue uh, on that I just one have right a question. Now. There's I, more I to that story. For you, Since I, I worked at OWL, but. Yeah, <laughs> let, let, me, let, me, let me just ask you something really quick. Okay, so how is it fair that when Vulcan can't see the shockwave and the shockwave is invisible, there's a chrono break. But when the commissioner is invisible, nothing happens. Like, how is this possible? <laughs> like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, like, well, see, Dom, the thing is, is that we can't chrono break to a time when the LCS commissioner was wasn't invisible. Oh. oh there's okay. never been that point in time. So we can't actually roll it back. Uh, or, uh, oh, I guess we could kind of roll it back all the way to Nick Allen. Uh, that would that'd be quite the chrono break, though. Yeah, Nick Allen, I mean, and then maybe uh, I, I I very very distinctly remember Greeley reading off the uh, scouting grounds draft notes. That was the last one. He actually posted about <laughs> it recently. He's like, look at these cards uh, that I read off. Incredible. Yeah. Hey, look, I, you know, as somebody who who's been the commissioner of the league, I think part of the commissioner's job is to be the public face and the like, basically just tank aggro very publicly. Um, for the league. I think that's part of it. And, and having somebody who is ultimately responsible in an extremely forward-facing position is the job. That is my opinion of what a commissioner's job, it, part of what it entails. Anyway. Which is something uh, you did, right? You had to go through that course. with uh, FPL and it was, it, was, it was pretty public, I remember. And you just- I mean, uh, many you times. did exactly what you said. I, I had to show up and issue verdicts and find people and find teams and, you know, make those kind of decisions. And that's just what I had to do. Uh, and sometimes it sucked, especially when you're finding Brazilian teams, because Brazilian fans don't like that. Uh, <laughs> very bad, very bad time. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it's just part of the job. Um, yeah. As far as this particular, you know, I, jokes aside, I think she's probably still coming on board and was, you know, she she announced this like last week, so probably not fully onboarded yet. So my hope is that we'll see more of her publicly making these decisions and uh, talking in the future. Where um, is Greeley? What if Greeley was on the side being like, <laughs> you didn't do anything? Great. That was great. That was great. <laughs> That's how we roll here. You know what? Whenever we need to make a corporate announcement or an announcement on behalf of the league, uh, we just we just make our freelance commentators who aren't actually representatives of the company full time or paid like it or including of those, you know, benefits. We'll, we'll just have them do it instead. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Uh, but <laughs> jokes aside, we're going hard on Riot today. Uh, yeah, we are, we are, we are. <laughs> um, jokes aside, I think that what was egregious about that Corona break is not the fact that it happened. Like, whatever, I'll just... I'll, I'll assume that Vulcan experienced this bug for the sake of this argument. Uh, I know that when they were showing it on stream, it wasn't showing it as bugged out, but God knows what he was seeing from his perspective. I don't know. Let's pretend it's real. They decided it was real. Uh, the problem was, is that I don't understand why they chose that moment where they were chrono breaking, which was revenge in the bot lane getting collapsed on by... Jojo Pian on, on the Corky. And it seems like it should have rewound further back because the entire premise of the Baron play 
is that you're playing around for fog of war. So we have to we have to talk about how fog of war works in esports because esports, unlike traditional sports where you can see every aspect of the field, always not always, but almost every esport that's not Rocket League operates uh -huh. with fog of war or imperfect information over the game state. And so the thing about it is like once you know that the Baron is the goal and you know the state of the game, it becomes very difficult to to make that play again or to start the Baron. Um, and fortunately, Revenge was able to actually kill Jojo Pion in like a crazy play. Um, if that doesn't happen, I think a lot of Immortals advantage in that scenario goes away. And what I don't get is why they couldn't rewind the game to like 10 seconds earlier and just say, here's a neutral game state that the players can then play off of. Not one second before Corky arrives in lane in a 2v1 versus Revenge. Yeah, that, I mean, was, was that was what was confusing to me. And that, that's just a bad decision, like straight yeah. up. I think it's either there, you either do it there or you do it um, at, at like the frame where Graves dies. So then it's like the same oh, situation. Too where like Graves is now dead because that's what actually occurred into the game. And like Vulcan is right there. Um, and because they didn't actually know exactly how much HP the Baron was at, but this was a situation where I don't think that, that EG gained that much of an advantage over IMT because they know what the fuck is happening. It's not like in the game, they were like having a Baron that was snuck or something where they didn't actually know sure. what was going on. They knew that the Baron was there. They were in a completely, like the, the situation for EG was super advantageous. You just kill a Graves bot and you have two TPs and they're doing Baron somehow. Like yep. the best thing that happens for IMT is if EG uses their TPs and then IMT just disengages from the Baron and then like EG just roams mid or something. Like they just go mid and they take it tier two. Like there's almost no winning for IMT. And then when when they, they chrono break it, right? There's a, they go into the game and I believe that Revenge actually crit on a 30% chance on an auto and then he kills Jojo and yeah. And then the whole then situation is completely different, yeah. which is like, yeah. it's a pop-off moment, but it's like, Oh, he got 30% on a chrono break. Like it feels bad for fucking everyone. Like there's no one that's happy with the outcome of, uh, of the situation. So I, Don, me, I think uh, you could make an argument that the reason why they committed to the Baron so hard was, you know, once they caught out Vulcan, they were doing like, it, so the question becomes, if they don't catch out Vulcan, do they just disengage because of the TPs that you're, that you're talking about? Right. So there's like, there's, I think there's too many variables in that entire process. And once you've had 20 minutes to sit there and think about what you could have done or what you would do differently, the, the, for me, the decision-making process of, EG is much more clear than IMT. Like they they know because now they have perfect information. Um, when they had imperfect information before, what they should do. So for me, I just think it's not a neutral state. Like I think you could say, okay, when Graves dies, is is I, I agree it's more neutral. But to me, the most neutral is just to rewind on the split push by revenge and just say, go from here. That it feels like that's the most fair solution. Yeah, sure. Because when they rewinded it to that play. Then revenge is mentally like prepped for the the fact that he is getting engaged on. Like he knows that they are committing to like the one v two with TP. Like it's really it's really clear to revenge. So revenge doesn't have like any decision to make with like, am I going to try to like, am I going to try to survive here? Maybe like, am I going to try to kite it out? Like, am I going to full commit? Am I dead here hundred percent? Like that becomes a lot more clear to, to revenge in that moment too. So I feel like the chrono break just in general is just really awful. Um, I would say though that like I would push back on the idea that like EG had imperfect information like to some degree they did but i feel like when you're a pro player like and you you look at the item value um in the game like they might not know it's at like six thousand five hundred hp but they know that baron's like 
between 5k and 7k or something or 5k and 8k they know like their range and they know that the enemy team could not have possibly done baron by that point so my my biggest issue with it is that like the people that are on imt side that are saying that like this is really unfair for imt i think i think they're actually just being delusional and it was actually an advantage for them in that situation because they made a fucking bad decision i think that imt actually <laughs> fucked up really bad in this like re real time i think they, they had a fuck decision like their decision was hey uh we're gonna start baron 4v3 when the enemy team is two tps bot so it's essentially just a 5v4 on the baron and they had no idea like they they were not close to bursting that baron like they, they were really delusional about their own damage when they started hitting the objective but, but, but at the same time dom they were it you could have we can't know without being in imt's heads because like their their idea could have just been to catch somebody like vulcan out which they were initially successful at right sure i mean i guess like maybe you can you can ori ball over the the wall and 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 pick one off i mean even if even if that happens though I'm, i still think it's like a losing proposition for you let's say you kill the support and then they still be TB in. I literally think that EG should not have even taken the remake if they were offered or like the Chrono Break if they were offered. I think they should have just played out the situation because I think it was actually that winning for them um, there. That's so. fair, especially because they use Shockwave to pick off the support. So that'd be yeah, one Shockwave less to pick off the support. Have. And I believe uh, maybe like Xerxes flashed over the wall, like something like yeah, that. Yeah, someone went over the wall. Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, Xerxes flashes over the wall. So it's like, okay, no flash. And like they're fully turning. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they're just actually losing the entire game right here. I think IMT is going to lose the entire game uh, in this clip. Uh, what bad. I like, what I like though, is that we're we're now reaching real sports territory where replay and rewind is now uh, a, a part of it. I wonder if there was a technical issue, like mm, how far back you can chrono break a game, because I do like Maybe. your stance here, uh, Monty, in terms of like just go down the backwards in the decision tree and then we can just have new decisions from that point and that seems more neutral um but uh either way that was a big talking point and it did see the viewership rise during that moment i was talking about the viewership earlier i was like oh this is going to be a snoozer no like viewership still went up at that time uh so uh, the strategic pause to gain viewership i'm pretty sure the viewership is rising because it's the first game of the day and people are just <laughs> tuning into lcs so that's like kind of how it always like you could literally do nothing and the viewership is going to naturally rise in the first game because the people were still showing like up. Minutes. People were still showing up for church, and then getting the news. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Imagine showing right. up for church knowing God isn't there. That's grim. That's very grim. That's what. That that's was, what happened when I go. To that church. was a lot of. People. That's why I don't that go. Was a lot of people this week. <laughs> um, all right. So that was one of the big things that happened over this last weekend. I, I wanted uh, the other thing that happened. All right, and I brought it up in jest earlier. But uh, FlyQuest Hundred Thieves that was pinned to be a big matchup, and uh, it was it was a game. FlyQuest end up winning. They now go top of the table with Team Liquid, uh, and I just want to talk about the top of North America right now with FlyQuest. Can we talk Team about Liquid this game up, up front and Hundred Thieves and Cloud Nine? Yeah, go for it. Let's do it. Can we talk about how shitty objective bounties are? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, so. I'm Hundred thieves, right? They're up like five k in this game, okay. And mm -hmm. objective bounties trigger like the instant Johnson is about to take down a turret, and then they get a pick in mid lane and transition to a dragon, so they get like a free two k gold swing in you know a minute in this game, simply because that's the timing that objective bounties triggered. Like they do all of these other things and they get maybe half that amount of gold, right? And it starts this comeback. 
Then on top of that, they had to rely on some shockingly bad play by Ab Abadage, like shockingly bad positioning from the Corky. And then on top of that, they still nearly lose this game. And people are trying to crown them the kings of N.A. In spite of the fact that they should have lost this game like two or three times if it hadn't been for random objective bounty timing and 100 Thieves throws. So I think it's. And also, FlyQuest has had a couple of these games now where they definitely should have lost. And this is a team that could easily be three and three and only by some substantial luck uh i think have they have they gone five and one mm -hmm. uh there's also the fact that we're in this i feel like i i'm just like in you know esports is a flat circle like i'm just caught in in esports groundhog day and i'm at the beginning of the season again where afremu is just randomly yeah, good on that's melee support and thresh. <laughs> guys did we forget about dignitas last year come on like he's always <laughs> this way at the start of the season afremu does very well gelling with new rosters quickly but, you know, there are diminishing returns to this. And why do I have to listen to this? It's like everybody has the memory of a goldfish. Like it happens every year, guys. Like, yes, Afremu is good at the start of spring. Thank you. With the new roster. <laughs> I mean, I think I think there's a couple of things. Like, number one, their strength of schedule has been really fucking easy. Like on the surface, people would be sure. like, oh, but they played TSM, 100 Thieves and 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 uh, TL. But it's like 100 Thieves and TL are the only two real games there. The other TL games they have... <laughs> TL yeah, doesn't I mean, even have their full roster. <laughs> yeah, and TL shit on them. TL, TL shit on them without their full roster. 100 Thieves was this game, which like, I mean, it makes me think less of 100 Thieves and it actually makes me think well of uh, uh of FlyQuest. <laughs> yeah, and then and then like the other games were like, what? Okay, nice. They beat TSM. Everyone's beat TSM. What the fuck? Like, who cares if you beat TSM? CLG, Golden Guardians, Team Dignitas. Like, they, they, they still have to play Cloud9. They still have to play EG. Like, they've had one of the easiest strength of, of, strengths of schedule for the first six games out of the entire league and it's the same thing when you watch them play like there's there's not anything to really be excited about because you can see the ceiling of the team like you can watch FlyQuest play and be like yeah I mean they could be decent but they can only be about like this good like they can never be one of the top teams in the league because once you get into playoffs once you get into these these later situations and you're playing against people like Summit and you're like, you have Kumo versus Summit, you have Kumo versus Impact, you, you have Kumo versus way, all Kumo's played guys. two Enchanter top, like, weird-ass meta games, too, which is also part of the reason they've been propped up. Even this game, like, people might cite his Trindamir play as being good, but one of the key moments in this game was, like, Abadage just, like, standing next to a full Fury Trindamir, just getting his ass critted. <laughs> and I'm just like, what are you doing, Abadage? Like, no, don't be there. The positioning, a lot of this was just horrible. Like his TPs were horrible. His packages was horrible. Like his quirky play was just bad. So, yeah. I mean, I just, I just don't think that FlyQuest is, is that exciting of a team. Like I'll be shocked if this team places top four. Um, yeah. In and, spring. and coming into this week, this was the same thing with Dignitas who beat uh, what we would consider lower teams in Immortals, TSM, uh, and CLG and lost to EG, then lose to FlyQuest, and then lose to Golden Guardians. So I think coming into it, I, I guess I'll concede. I'm just excited. FlyQuest always doing well. They try to they try to be the good org in the LCS. When they do well, it does make me extra happy. Happier than, uh, you know, I guess when it's always just the same top five, right? Because it was going to be the boring narrative, same top five. It still can be this yeah, end up there. But the fact that there's a challenger to that top five on a budget 
uh, is an interesting thing uh, to me. And uh, your point earlier, uh, Monty, which is something that I want us to transition to when, you know, if, if we're done chatting FlyQuest is there were a lot of talks about Afro's been so great, top five player, who's your top five North American players? And all of a sudden, like, lists were just being thrown all over the place with, with like, longevity being thrown in and, and impact thrown in and, like, you know, uh, different eras thrown in. And are we getting to the point now where we can have this conversation and it makes sense? Or do we still have a definitive, like, well, all right, Afro is just a streaky player. He always has been. Like, when he's on, he does very well. Uh, he can make plays. But he he is either on or he's off for kind of extended periods of time. And he also does very well in specific scenarios. So as I said, he tends to... One of his strengths is that he tends to take new rosters and gel them more quickly and lead them through shot calling faster than many other players. I think that's a strength of his. He also does very well, typically, with melee support metas or thresh metas. Um, what, let's check and see what champions he's played. He's played Braum, Tom Kench, Leona, and Thresh this season so far. <laughs> it's what I would expect. You know him. No Alistair, which is you know one of his longtime best picks. No Bard yet. Probably the Bard game's coming, guys. If I had to guess if the Pocket Bard's going to come out soon, I would say yes. Uh, just because that's one of the things that he will pull out from time to time, and he'll probably have a great Bard game at some point this split. Um, but I would be surprised if he picks Bard. Like, pretty much the only thing you could pick Bard into right now is, like, Braum, I guess. Like, there's, there's really nothing else you can... I'm not of... saying it's meta. I'm just saying <laughs> this is what he does. No, I, I know I know that, like, Bard is, like... I, I know that Bard is not meta. My point is that, like, normally you're not you're not ever picking Bard because it's meta you're picking it because it's good into whatever you're playing into and normally the things that it's that it's good into are like the useless supports and i think the problem with this is there used to be two there used to be brahm and tom kench and now tom kench actually can just engage on you in lane like he can just w on you in lane and then the bard just dies right so like it sure. just becomes another bad matchup for for afro so I would be surprised if we if we see the bard this split. <laughs> I think that we we'll won't see. see the bard actually. All right, Man, all right. Blitz. We'll he pulled out Blitz as well and had some like nice hooks uh, every now and then and surprised people. But yeah. Uh, so, but you know, we, we saw the same gelling very quickly that we saw from Dignitas in spring of last year. This is a strength of Afros. He is a good leader with new rosters. Um, he can he can achieve he can gel a roster. It feels like quickly in order to achieve early success. But if it also feels like that the ceiling of these rosters, maybe not through any fault of his own either, by the way, it could just be that he's on teams with mediocre players, which also has been true for a long time now, that the ceiling is just low because of the average talent level of this roster. Now, what would happen if Afremu goes to a team with a better roster, like a better, in theory, a better roster? Uh, that would be an interesting question because he hasn't been on a team like that in quite some time. Um, but he's a good pickup for a middle of the pack roster to get some early success out of the gate. He's doing it again here, um, but he he doesn't seem to be able to play at a consistent level for an entire season, and he never has been, in my opinion, ever. Outside of like maybe season five, <laughs> like season five, I feel like he was pretty good. Uh, I also I think that there were other people on that roster that were stepping up at the time, but. It's he's he's had trouble despite the fact that he's been in LCS basically longer than anybody else besides Wild Turtle, right? Turtle. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, he he hasn't put together really complete years, I would say. 
I think that's fair, and I think that's accurate, and I think that's something he's aware of. Uh, and we'll see uh, how FlyQuest do as they sit atop the table. Let's flip it upside down and uh, set up next week's Super Week matchup. Everyone's favorite, El Trashico, when CLG and TSM are at the bottom of the table El and Asico. they play each other. El Asico, yeah. Because <laughs> we <laughs> don't bring any class when they're at one and five. Uh, CLG, TSM. We can just start with TSM now. Uh, TSM made news and thanked God. They praised whatever they prayed to. Obviously not LS. That LS got released from Cloud9 so that everyone forgot the dumpster fire that was happening over there with Shen Yi Shin on his teammates on a stream to an old teammate. And it all gets translated. Uh, Shen Yi getting benched for your son. Uh, TSM 0-4 up until that point. They're able to... To, to steal away a game from Immortals and then drop one to Cloud9 uh, there in day number two. Uh, TSM, not looking great, Dom. What, what, is, what is happening with this experiment in your eyes? Well, I mean, number one, like they, they like canceled the experiment after two weeks. They, they like, <laughs> like, whatever they're doing now, I just don't see how this actually progresses the team forward. Like, I feel like, if they wanted Shen Yi to be a shot call, like they got Shen Yi presumably because of all the strengths that Shen Yi had, right? Like he was somebody who was really aggressive, good engaged support, and he's a shot caller. Like that was his... He, look, he's just thing. getting the TSM jungler treatment in the past, dude. You you get a player for specific strengths, you ignore all of those strengths, and then you destroy them. Yeah, but I mean, they're, they're not even like waiting a split. Normally they destroy them like throughout like a year, you know, like <laughs> spring is like pretty good. And then by like midsummer, they're like, by the way, you're like shit at the game. So like, just don't do anything. And maybe we have a chance at winning. And then like the player starts like second guessing themselves. They're afraid of like potential backlash. Everything that they do is just questioned. And, you know, they just become essentially a ward for Bjergsen. But the problem here is that they didn't even give them a chance. Like, how about you just stop playing fucking Lulu top and like Karma top in this bullshit and you, and you actually play like real because games the, because they, because Dom, they think that's the only way they could win. That's the funniest part about this whole thing is that they have, dude, they've literally rationalized themselves into a, a place where they think that all inning on tactical is going to win them the game. Imagine the darkness that creeps into your mind and your soul if you've if you've arrived at that location. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, I think I think my problem is that my, my problem with the whole thing is that when you're setting up a team, right? The whole idea that that they had and all the communication was that they wanted to uh, develop a team that was going to be really strong by summer, by when things actually fucking mm -hmm. mattered, by playoffs. Who said whatever. that, by the way? Remind me. I don't fucking know. Reginald, one of these fucking guys. I don't know who the, the fuck is even working for them anymore. Exactly. That's my point. Yeah. Is that all the people who made these decisions and who said this shit don't even work there anymore. But even, yeah, the, even uh, the new guy, I don't know who that fucking guy is. The new guy that came in. I know. Dom. Uh, I know. I know from working up with him at Genji. Yeah, what the fuck is this guy's name? Dominic. 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 Okay. Whoever yeah. this guy is said that like, yeah, there's going to be a fucking slow start. Like, but we're going to like, you know, ramp up. Like there was complications with visas and stuff. So everything didn't happen the same way we wanted in TSM legends. And like, yeah, we're going to end up, you know, we, it might be a slow start, but we'll end up uh, being good. Chawi, the, the head coach said the same thing, right? So the people that are still there have the same mindset, right? But how the fuck are you going to improve? If you're doing a strat that's getting patched out of the game, number one, like, 
the, the fucking Lulu top shit is gone next pack. Like 12.4, whenever that is. I don't know if this is week, this week, next, it, whatever. I love everything. That shit, that shit is out of the game. So you're literally investing time into learning something that isn't going to be applicable in mm -hmm. the future where you're planning mm -hmm. to be actually fucking good. And uh -huh. all the time that you could be spending developing with a player, like, yeah, maybe for mm -hmm. these weeks, it's the best chance to win if you do mm -hmm. your fucking Lulu top, Karma top bullshit. Nice, yep. man. You got one win out of five games because you did the optimal way to fucking win. The problem is, like, once the next patch comes, you're going to be way far behind all the other fucking teams oh. because they'll actually know how to play the game somewhat. Like, FlyQuest is going to, you know, have tried playing the game. Dignitas have tried playing the game. Even even Golden Guardians is, like, trying to, to incorporate Pride Soccer into their team. Okay, how are we going to do this? Are we going to be, be still able to play with Zin? Are we going to put him on as assassins? Is he going to 1v9 carry? The other teams are making progress on the things that TSM needs to make progress on, but TSM is just refusing to do it. And they're perfecting the strategy of like, okay, so we want a late invade here and then we'll like slow push the wave and four man dive it. Sure, you could say the argument of like slow pushing into four into like diving is something that will be good overall as a team, but it will never be this extreme. And all the other things that you're going to have to do on the map, like roaming your support with your with your jungler, like together to get vision, sinking your like level four back with your support and your jungler to see if like they can potentially make a play on mid. All these different concepts in the game, they're just going to be literally shit at. And I love where you're going with this. I love this train of thought, Dom. Keep going, please. Because you're gonna arrive at a beautiful place. This, well, this train of thought arrives at a gorgeous station, let me tell you. Continue. Well, I mean, like yeah, so <laughs> not only are you not doing the things that are conducive to actually progressing as a team, that, that's that's number one. Number uh -huh. two, you're not even doing it with the fucking player that you're presumably going to be playing with at some point because your son is not it. Your son is he's not great. He's he's okay. He's literally fucking in in Domlo. I play with this guy nonstop. He's a 50% win rate support in my ELO. He has lower win rate than me at similar LP. It's not good. Like, that's not a good look. Like, I'm barely playing the game. You don't want to have your support in Domlo right now. Like, you don't want to be playing with a master 50% win rate support on stage. So, is that the place? So my point. <laughs> yes. Yes. Fucking Domlo. Um, but yeah, your so, point. So, so the problem is that, like, you're stunting your own growth intentionally mm -hmm. by doing all these things to sabotage yourself mm -hmm. instead of just giving your plan chance to like ch a chance to work. It's like you go into a game, right? And you tell yourself, okay, you know what I want to work on? I want to work on how I like full clear into crab and then like getting a ward in the jungle and basing. Like that is like what I want to work. I want to work on my full clear jungling. And then you like, you start full clearing and you see somebody die bot lane at level two and you're like, fuck it. And then you level your ability, skip your half your side of your jungle. And you just like all into that fucking gank. That's not going to work out. And you just like lose the whole fucking game. You're sabotaging yourself from improving because you're not even willing to, to sit through any of the negatives that could possibly happen when you're trying a new strategy. So for, for me, I mean, the whole problem is like somehow their management, like their management and their gameplay, both suck as hard as possible at, at this point in the in, in the so, season. So, 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 but but here's where you're, here's where you're going with this, Dom. So I've got questions for you based on okay, this, sure. Is absolutely correct, like line of thought that you've got going on here. So, what does this tell you about what TSM thinks about themselves? Because we have to, we can infer very accurately. I feel like what they think about themselves. Oh, I mean, well, they they think they fucking suck. They think that they cannot correct. win while playing <laughs> a standard game. That is yep. what they think. They think they yep. cannot win if they play standard. And then what were the results of them not playing standard, thinking that this was their best strat? They they won one game out of like four with this strategy. And the only the, the worst part about this whole thing, like so the results were 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 one one win, three losses doing doing this awful strategy. 
Um, or maybe it was like one, one win, two losses, whatever. I mean, they, they lost more games than they won with it. Um, that's number one. Number two is the game that they did win. Uh-huh. They were down two in hips. They should have lost the game. It looked fucking terrible. Yes. Even when things went their way. And when they came out of the game, the result was like, yeah, you know, we're actually behind, but everything, you know, like we're used to being behind. It looks really bad, but everything actually went according to plan. If that is what your plan looks like, if your plan is to be down yep. two inhibitors, give the other team Baron and not be able to contest anything all over the map or contain the split push. Like it's a fucking bad plan. Like just ditch it. Like find a new plan. Like, how about we go back to like plan A that wasn't even going that bad? Like you could have won some of those games with Shen Yi. Like you literally yep. could have won. So that's what I love, Dom, is you, you've, you've now glided the train of thought into this beautiful station, which is basically the bullet points are as follows. Create a roster uh, that you say needs time to develop. The people who made this roster leave, and even though other people, like you said, Dom's sitting there saying, uh, yeah, this is, we're going to wait because literally that's what he was told of players mm -hmm. he did not select, right? So he has to do it. He's just standing there holding the fucking bag at the end of the day. Him and Chawi just fucked, right? Then they're so terrible that they need to, as you point out, all in on a strategy that is not going to be viable at the expense of practicing things that will be viable in the future. And then they don't even win with that strategy and definitely should have lost every game that they should have, that they played with it. And they even got rocked by a team that just lost their coach and can't, you know, as far as, as far as strategies go, I thought the TSM strat might actually work against cloud nine because of morale. And because of the fact that they that team cannot really communicate with each other right now, especially top laner into several other members of the team, which makes it very difficult to counteract that strategy because it's basically you have to funnel and carry as the top laner. Now, Summit did a great job in the end. It's a little shaky at the beginning, but that last play he made was, I think, very good. Um, uh, you know, pushing the advantage onto the Nexus, then coming back and, and having that dragon fight. Uh, but overall, they've completely failed at even cheesing, a temporary cheese that they can't even carry forward into the future. So this is just a disaster at every possible level. It's a disaster that the people who made this roster are no longer with the org, or in Reggie's case, if I had to guess, considering he's under investigation by his own team as well as the LCS, I would bet that he cannot speak to the team right now as part of these investigations. That is almost certainly what is going on, is that he cannot interact with the League of Legends team. So him and Parth, who ostensibly made these decisions, maybe Lena too, guess what? They're all out of the picture right now. Uh, and so you're left with a guy who didn't make the decisions making more, like, with this roster, and then the coaches making these decisions that are only going to shoot them in the foot later on. So what we can infer is that this roster is going to be even worse somehow in the future. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's really rough. And then, uh, I mean, I think the everything you hear from the players, even when they're trying to be positive, just makes me more worried about the team. Like, we talked about the tactical thing. How about the, the, the Hooney comment that he made in the interview where he's like, actually, I feel like playing smite top makes me better at the game. Like, no! <laughs> how, about the, how, about the, how about the fact that Hooney it's as a player is like the last guy who should be playing Enchanter tops, like based on his history and style. Like, what the fuck are you even doing with this guy? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not a huge Hooney fan, but at the end of the day, you ride or die by Hooney on Hooney rosters and having him be the supplemental carry to tactical is that decision is just mind boggling to me.
Yeah, and so, Tacticals is uh, playing a lot worse. I mean, Tacticals is falling off split to split to split. Like, I was, I held out for like a whole year. I'm like, guys, it's just a, a fucking sophomore slump, Copium. Like, I know he only played really one split in, in 2020, but in 2021, it was all a fluke. Like, he'll be really good again. He just needs to refine. And then now he's just like, I don't know, man. Like, he, he has like some okay games, but yeah, I mean, for the majority of it, I just don't feel like he's reliable carry which is what you would want if you're doing the strategy like if you're doing the strategy you need your ad carry to be the type of player that's like maybe slow starting maybe doesn't get that many kills naturally but he's the type of guy that will carry a game 1v9 and he's just not gonna die he's never gonna end in an important moment which is just yeah it's just not him so yeah uh tactical has been on, on the razor's edge and landed on the rager more time razor more time than not uh i know i did this before and i got destroyed by it but you know what, TSM fans? I got you. Sources say, sources say that uh, your son will not be there that long. Shen Yu will obviously come back into the roster. They will come back and put it together because the move was made for non-gameplay stuff, which how is would why you know, the Reddit Digon? stuff. How would you know, Digon? Like, I mean, the thing is, you can't know because Spica doesn't know. So therefore, you can't know. <laughs> how fucking is, that's how true. dumb is that? Dude. That's what's so fucking crazy is that people actually thought that that was like a correct response. Like when speaker was like, bro, of course, like I'm on the team. I know everything that's going on. And the community was like, that makes sense. He's on the team. Of course, he knows what's going on with this team. Like, yeah. no, specifically, a lot of the players don't know what's going on with the team because it's not beneficial for the team to inform their players of decisions that, that are going to be happen happening if the player might not like the decisions that, that actually occur. So look, like, look, I can't I can't count the number of times that owners or managers or coaches have talked to me about potential roster changes before the team knows because they want somebody to bounce an idea off of and they know I'm not yes. going to fucking leak it everywhere. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there, there you have it, Holy TSM fuck. fans. Don't worry, Shen Yu the Savior will be back in. Um, the other thing is that I, when it comes to the roster creation, right? Uh, Parth is gone. Uh, you know, as a Parth, Lena, Reggie combo, all three of those are not mm -hmm. able to touch the roster right now. Uh, but also the the oh, the whole firing was like a big deal, right? TSM has fired a staff member. I was like, oh shit, like. Who's gone? It was uh, Tonington James, who was the assistant general manager under Parth. Yeah, so yeah. he was the I assistant mean, general manager. I mean, even the other guy who made the decision is also gone. Jesus Christ! At the at nice. the end of at the end of last season, like during the off season, and then rejoined as an assistant coach, and then was fired like afterwards. So like he, he like left, came Legends. back, and then left again. <laughs> yeah, he, he was the guy, guy doing doing, doing the huddles, saying all the nice the things. Huddle. Nah, yeah. this guy who's doing the he's supposed to be like the high man. He's like, guys, like, I know things are rough, but you guys need to believe in yourself. They're like, get and, that fucking positivity out of here. Tom and that's what it feels like. That's what? what it feels like. It feels like they're just like, hey, we need a fall guy for our 0-4 start, the worst start ever. And next week, we're actually playing 100 Thieves and TL and a uh, a, a rivalry game against CLG. We might start 1-8 and eight and have the worst start in the history of TSM. Let's fire our positive what, guy. What a great time for me to be alive, by <laughs> the way. It, it, it's, it, we've, we've finally proven that it wasn't Reggie being some sort of genius GM, that it was really just Bjergsen being good and then attracting other good players to him uh because no, as soon as he goes away look at what happens right well also we've now lost the power of daddy reggie coming down the stairs and uh, uh <laughs> motivating the team motivating. right yeah. so 
Let's yeah. hold off there, Monty, before we make you know big brass uh, uh, assumptions that it was all Bjergsen. That's we right. still haven't if, had if, if, only, if only Reggie was there to motivate people. <laughs> well, I mean, so I actually thought that that was the most key part when this roster signed. I mean, one of one of my original takes was I thought that it was actually really good that they got two players that speak basically no English. So then when they're getting verbally assaulted by their boss, they couldn't interpret like the severity of the language. You know, completely. To be fair, you know? I speak English and I can barely understand Reggie. So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, can, I can understand Reggie better than whoever the fuck writes their PR. I can tell you that. <laughs> Just throwing that Jeez. one out there, allegedly. Nice. All right, cool. allegedly, allegedly. All right, uh, great. So that was the fire that is uh, TSM. Wait, is it? Then... Do I have to throw allegedly in there? Because I've like seen this shit on camera. Actually, like yeah, it's you've like seen, you've seen. I mean, there's camera. literally like camera footage of what i am talking about that like yeah. everyone is privy to so like i don't i'm not even throwing it allegedly like i've seen it like and it's not like i've even seen it like privately like i've i have the clips like right now like you want to see it? like i can fucking pull it up right yeah. now so that would pull yeah, up I mean, the sad diarist sad diarist is the i hate that one that i was in that game that. bro like i was in that <laughs> fucking game i was playing versus diarist at the time like hmm, this guy is uh playing that a little game, bit differently right now that game was actually fucking hilarious like thorne and i we, we watched some of those old we were like doing a, a watch along stream a couple like a mm -hmm. year and a half ago and uh we were watching those old game cribs episodes and like the fact that it was entirely Reggie's fault in that game was just fucking hilarious. Yeah, that's like, what I, that's that's what I did. I, I that was literally YouTube content right there. I was just like, let me just watch the fucking game. He's like flashing to the base, running it down. Yep. He's like, fucking yep. turtle, you yep. piece of shit. Like, yep. You ruined the game for us once again. It is actually super turtle. funny in retrospect to go back and go back and look at that. God damn, it's too much. All right, <laughs> man, that. It is what a time to be alive. You're right, Monty. What a time to be alive. Uh, it's a, all it's right. a great time for Monty. Uh, <laughs> the other time, the other side of El uh, Asico is uh, CLG. They tried to put together the younger roster, and uh, so on the hands of like, what is it, Kami and uh, Think Card, they have the uh, Bobby J, Juanito, Palafox, and then the duo from Hundred Thieves. Uh, how do you how do you rate this roster and is there is there hope? CLG fans just need the slightest bit of faith. Can you give that to them, uh, 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 Monty? No. I, I mean, look. <laughs> look. Uh, Palafox, we were talking about this before the show started, yeah, but Palafox was dealt as part of one of the the old Jack bargain bargain packages, you know, bargain, bargain discounts with, uh, uh, with licorice. By the way, Last year, FlyQuest wanted Licorice. Did they really want Diamond and Palafox? Eh. They, they had to take them as part of the package deal because that was the only way that Jack was going to sell them because what Jack does is yep. uh, he, yep. he, he will sabotage your roster by forcing you to take players so that he knows your roster can't be good because he's like, ooh, Licorice. I don't, he used to be good. Maybe he'll be good again. But I got Diamond and Palafox. So if I just bundle them all together, I can create a team that's definitely going to be worse than mine. Uh, and so they just they just bit this one off, took Palafox again. Jenkins, who um, is best known for not being Alfari, uh, they got him. Uh, and then than Contracts, Alfari, who's had, huh? Better than better Alfari. than Alfari. Yeah, oh, that's what the broadcast wow. was trying to tell. Yeah, me. better better than better GP for sure. Um, mm -hmm. Then you have Contracts, who has had how many contracts 
in the LCS has contracts had at this point in time Too and many. still is bouncing in and off of uh, in and out of rosters. Then there's Poom, who couldn't cut it on 100 Thieves when he was on it. And then there is Luger, who actually might maybe have some promise TBD. Five contracts, by the way, for Juanito. Uh, <laughs> I had to count. Cloud9, Golden Guardians, 100 Thieves, uh, EG, and now CLG. And nobody uh, seems I, to actually want to start this guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought he was pretty good last split, to be honest. Yeah, was, I was like, that's I, I thought he, I was I was watching your play. I was like, you know what? Like, it looks like he's back in it. And even when he when he had that small stint on 100 Thieves, I also thought he was like pretty good in those games, too. He was pushing um, Medios at that time, right? It was Medios. Yeah, well, Medios yeah, got, yeah like, he replaced kicked. Yeah, yeah, he replaced Medios. And, the, yeah, and so, I, you know, I think I think he's a good alternate. I think I think contracts has to be viewed as a uh, starting jungle motivator. You just keep him on your bench to threaten your your starter into performing and practicing. He's the Acadian. Uh, he's the Grig to Acadian or the Acadian. Uh, he, the you Grig. know who he is? I don't know. I don't know how many people watch LPL that are watching the show. He's literally the Zhao Peng. He's Zhao Peng, the brainless from from LPL. That's going to go in like level two gank, like make some shit fucking happen and probably like run it down a little bit in team fights. And like he'll have like a horrible game every now and then. But he's going to like, you know, get in there, like try to get people ahead, try to make the game a little bit chaotic. And, you know, if it works, it works. But it's it's like a sometimes thing. It's like you throw him in as like a a, a play that's going to spice a player that's going to just spice up the game real quick. And then you go back to like your stable, you know, jungler that's going to play normally and like allow you to win games two and three of the series. He's a game one jungler in the five in the best of five. You throw him in there. He fucks things up, like makes the other team like, God damn, like, do we have to like to ban his champion? Maybe we have to be careful of level two. Game. And then the next game, you just play, play like a Svenskaren or you play like a Meteos or you just play like what are your brain jugglers after that? And they'll uh, it, did you, know, you give him? Did you down. give him that title? I just want to know. Zhao Ping the brainless, <laughs> or was that like? Oh no, that's Kelsey. Kelsey uh, gave him the title. Zhao Ping the brainless, <laughs> okay. but it, it 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 embodies how he plays perfectly because he is just like the level two. Like, I mean, like it's either that he's the brainless or he's like the most ten head player, like the mastermind of the fucking universe. It's one of the two because the way that this guy plays is he's like you will never expect some of these ganks that he goes for to actually occur in the game. It's like, dude, you know, you realize that like just baseline, if you go for this gank, you are going to lose more based off like your jungle camps that you are sacrificing in order to make this. And he's like, yes, I don't care. Like we can get a kill here. Like <laughs> you hear that? You hear that contracts fans? Uh, I heard contracts master big brain of the universe. That, that is, that is the one that I yep. heard there. No. Uh, he got the Valentine's day buff. Cause they did, they did the grub hub thing with Kobe and then they won the next game. So they just need more skits. Yep, with, they uh, they won a game against a tilted cloud nine who found out hours before that the coach that the entire roster and coaching staff had been purposefully built around was getting let go uh, two weeks after he arrived in Los Angeles, which definitely would not have affected their mental ability to play the game. Definitely whatsoever. not. Definitely not. I heard it was actually just draft that uh, went wrong that game <laughs> from the players. It was, it was yeah, more from Fudge. Fudge was like, it was, we, they did what we, you know, we had to play standard because uh, we didn't expect. We had bad scouting info on their draft. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> all right. No hope on CLG as well. I mean, there's hope, or there's hope this week. As Dom said, you know, the way TSM is playing, like, who knows? Who knows? Uh, it's Immortals, TSM, and EG. That's actually a team that we haven't talked about who is slumping and has lost games that uh, that we thought they would win. They find oh, themselves so, uh, tied 2-4. I, wa 
I want to ask you, because earlier in the show, you said you didn't expect FlyQuest to be top four, which I assume means that you yep. think EG will be top four. That's what I would assume that means. Is that true? Uh. I mean, like, if if it's not EG, then, it, yeah, I, I assume it will be EG. Like, I think they'll get shit together. And I'm not saying top four by end of regular season. I'm talking about, like, playoffs, right? Like, so I think EG will get into playoffs. And then, like, I think they I agree. Literally... I agree with that. that that's yeah. who I would. And I, to be clear, the other top four are Team Liquid, Hundred Thieves, and Cloud9. In case yes. that wasn't apparent. Yeah. Yeah. And then, they, like, even if they didn't, like, I would just expect one of the other teams to be better than FlyQuest. Like, Golden Guardians <laughs> or Dig or some shit like that. Like, Somebody else will probably be better than them. Like, I would just expect, like, I just think that they have a low chance of actually being top four um, themselves. Like, I maybe maybe those other teams don't have higher, but it's like, if I'm going to, like, make a bet, it's, to me, it's an over 50% chance that they are not top four, for sure. Like, no doubt in my mind. Then then what is happening with this EG roster right now with uh, Boomer and the four Zoomers that look like they're slowing down and uh, not able to have the same impact that they did against lower competition and lock-in, and I would say earlier in the split as well. Uh, what, what is plaguing them from, from getting to that level? Uh, I mean, I think that there's like a few things. Like individually, the players are just simply like playing worse than they were before. Um, but I'd say like one of the biggest issues is that I don't think they're really playing drafts that are like really conducive to their strengths. Um, yeah, just as players so when i look at somebody like jojo pian i'm not thinking about like first pick him corky on 12.3 and have him farm like i want to see this guy shit on people in lane that's what this guy does he's somebody who's built to outlane other people he's the na chovy like that that is that is our na version of chovy yeah he's younger yeah he's worse all that shit it's just you compare na to korea you compare jojo to chovy you know like that's that's what it is not in terms of like he's the same caliber of player obviously because we have like imports but as far as any mid laners go when was the last time we had a mid laner that actually looked like he could fucking lane every mid laner in the history yeah. of lcs has always yeah. been yeah it's an na mid but like he just like yeah i mean he just like roams or some shit it's like a demonte man cloud man cloud yeah wow, i mean man cloud. Go, yeah i <laughs> yeah, think man I mean, cloud was the last like laning mid laner that i remember from north america everyone else was a roamer or or you know strategist you know, but yeah, man club was the last like real pure one, I think. Well, it's also I think part of it is and That's I talked to Peter, Peter Dunn about this on on Summoning Insight, but just the fact that during lock in the way that EG was distributing resources, the comparison that I made was that uh, last year, Danny was actually getting very few resources past 15 minutes. And it was kind of like, you know, he would he was there more or less to wave clear to provide pressure on turrets. And a lot of the resources were moving over um uh to mid uh, mid lane in particular uh because of Jizuke's play style and because of the pressure he would exert but EG seems to have a very specific formula of when they get a rookie player of not like kind of not over investing in them in terms of their necessity to carry by playing them in lower resource situations which is what they were doing to Jojo as well and it it applies to the way they assign lanes after 15 minutes into the game and who's getting that farm and Danny has actually taken up a lot of that farm now which is a big change from last year part of it's changed the meta uh, but mm. part of it is also that EG you know Peter and I discussed this EG very specifically tries to alleviate that for that pressure on newer players now i think to Dom's point he, you know, he has shown a lot of strength in the laning phase. He has shown less strength, which is to be expected when it comes to uh, knowing the intricacies of the macro game, because he hasn't been a pro player or even a League of Legends player for very long. And pro macro is very different than what he would have experienced in solo queue. 
Um, and so when you're playing him on scaling picks, I think there may be an issue with that because oftentimes he's not in the right place and he's not also not getting funneled a lot of the resources. Um, so to Dom's point, I think that, yes, it's, it's possible that, you know, playing more passive, uh, scaling laners may not be in EG's best interests at the current point in time. I mean, I just, right. when I look at Jojo, I don't feel like he's the type of player that it's like, oh, we got to like make sure that he doesn't have too much pressure on him. Like this guy seems confident. He seems like he can fucking handle him. Just let him play like the fucking giga chat he is. Like let him just fucking rock up in lane. Look, and you, big dick I, I appreciate that perspective, but you and I can't know, you know, uh, uh, without, I think the coaching staff probably knows better about the kind of, and he may be ready for that, but I'm just saying that EG has been very deliberate in terms of how they introduce new players and that they, they themselves have been cautious about that from a coaching perspective, which I, I may not be necessary in Jojo Bian's case, but that doesn't prevent them from doing it. Sure. Uh, that is evil geniuses, basically, and how they're going to be, you know, moving forward here. Also, one of the EG losses was to Team Liquid with Core JJ back. <clears throat> we expect Team Liquid to absolutely smash this league now that LS is gone. I think it's fair to say that they're not really going to be challenged over. Much. I think TSM is going to come back, but also like one thing that <laughs> needs to be thrown in, uh, <laughs> thrown in here is that um, EG has also had the hardest strength of schedule out of any yes. team. So their two and four is not a real two and four. Their next three matches, FlyQuest, Golden Guardians, uh, CLG. Like that's that's their next three. So CLG, the tie uh, for last in the league, Golden Guardians, like what, seventh, eighth, something like that. And then FlyQuest, who's like the most fraudulent first place team that we've had since Dignitas of last year. All right. I also think Dig that I also think that part of if we actually look at the context of some of their losses, like their week one loss to C9 was I, I mean do we really think that Jojo Pian's played the Soraka matchup, the Soraka Victor matchup before? And also the way C9, like I think EG had a very solid early game plan in that game in particular, but it's very different, you know, especially for a new player, a new player to understand kind of weird team compositions on the fly if he hadn't been prepared for them. So I think that was difficult. There were, there was Peter, Peter Dunn discussed with me about, you know, the using different keystone runes, you know, having the phase rush on Victor may have been may have made that matchup very different. So there were some they, there were some mistakes, I think. And yeah. part of it is just coming with having a newer mid laner who may not understand some of the depth that's of the game that's been thrown at him on top of having, a, like Dom said, a difficult schedule uh, so far. Right. Yeah, I mean, and the other Jojo thing... said how valuable that was to him in the interview that I had with them after they beat Dignitas the next day. Sorry, go ahead, Dom. Well, I mean, what I would say is that um, for for EG to function, the way that I see this team is it just makes sense to not be early picking. Like, what have they played so far in LCS? They played they played at least three games I can remember of Corky of like two Corkies at least and one Victor. That's half your games, like blind picking, like opting into the scaling, mm -hmm. like farm matchup. Or when I think of EG as a team, right? Like they have the weak side king and impact, right? Bot lane is not normally something that you can like giga counter with like saving 80 support to last. Like normally just like banning out supports. Like if you're on red side, banning out supports in, in the second ban phase and then like picking R4, whatever, like the, the support that you're setting up is, is good enough. Or you can just like early pick some of like the strong laning supports that exist. So like you can go for like Thrasher Filios and things like that in the meta. 
um, etc. So I feel like when when EG sets up their draft, the way that I think they would be most effective is giving JoJo the counter pick. He's like the superstar that has all the fucking solo queue picks. This is like the rank one solo queue player that plays everything. Like he plays like Lucian mid the AD mid laners. He plays Silas. He plays all the fucking counter picks in the game. So I feel like even if he can be that Victor Quirky guy, I just think it takes a lot of the uh, spice out of EG and like the potential out yeah, of like- Yeah, again though, like I, I think I think the, I think you would be a very different coach for EG than the coaches that they have because their coaches are pretty conservative about this stuff. And you're right, Jojo Pion only has a 40% counter pick rate. Uh, so far in the in the six games, uh, yeah, it's six games that he's played. Yeah, six games that he's played. Yeah. Um, and so you know, it has been it has been lower overall, but at the same time, they're clearly they're clearly just trying to take the safe the safe picks for him, which may be the wrong call in this particular case. But that it's pretty clear that that's yeah. what they're doing. It's been three that, Corkies, a Victor, a Rise, and a Nikali. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I mean, the Akali game wasn't good, but... Yeah, the Akali wasn't good, I was going to say. But I'd rather see him on that than more Victor. Um, yeah, that is EG. I was going to ask... Uh, what was I going to ask? Oh, next week. Or however many... Yeah, actually, after next week, because that's halfway through. Uh, I need to ask, like, how many wins until FlyQuest is fraudulent? Or is it, like, until they, like, do something in the spring split playoffs? Until they like, win after. the first round of playoffs. Okay. That's there for it me. Is. They could literally yeah. be first if they lose the first. Like, until I see them going into the semifinals, like, and, like, two teams have been eliminated, they're top four, and they have, like, they looked good in their quarterfinals match, and they are playing against 100 Thieves in the semifinals or some shit, or C9 in the semifinals, TL in the semifinals. Up until I see them actually make progress past, like, having a good record, like, a kind of good record, because they're 5-1 and one right now. So, realistically, like, how bad can they be? Even if they fucking are terrible from here on out. Like they could easily end up with like a nine and nine, a 10 and eight. And normally 10 wins is like good enough to get into playoffs. Nine wins is sometimes good. 10 wins is definitely good to get into playoffs. So I think that they can like, they, they've had a good enough start that they're going to be fine. Um, and they probably should be able to beat out uh, like whoever is going to be competing with them. Like for example, they TSM, like TSM is looking really hard to make playoffs because they have hard matches to come and they look like they're dog shit. FlyQuest, I think is like, little better than TSM, but they have harder matches and I don't think their ceiling is as high. So we'll have to see with them. But yeah, I mean, for me, the, the when I'll start actually believing in FlyQuest is when they win a playoff series. Okay. I think that's fair. And just to, just because we call FlyQuest fraudulent doesn't mean they're the worst team in the league. It just means that them being in first place first is a fraudulent place. result. Yeah, I, think, I think they'll be like fifth or sixth now. I think they'll right. end like fifth or sixth. They'll lose first round of playoffs. That's what I'm expecting. Yeah, and if they don't, that means we set up the conversation with them in Houston. Top four means you're going to Houston, right? I guess if they do first first place match and third place match, hopefully. Yeah, Houston is happening. Copium. Copium. Uh, we'll see. Uh, okay. I don't know what you're talking about, Dom. All the sporting events in America are open right now. What possible reason could there be for no live League of Legends match to happen when every single sporting event is running? What do you, what do you think the reason is? <laughs> I don't know. Why don't you tell us, Monty? Why, why don't you tell us? I feel like you're the one that has the answer here. So I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. All, all I know is that every single sporting event is going on with audiences except LCS. That's what I know. That's the sum and, total of my information. And that we haven't had an update from uh, the commission yet. Again, who? Doing the job well. What? Uh, <laughs> 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 Let's close it out here with our, uh, a, a fan favorite segment. 
um, to, to close out the first three weeks of the LCS, uh, we, we like to call it here, God or Dog. And uh, this is where we pick our God player, God team. Nah, we're going player here. We're going personal. God player and our dog player. So the player that has been performing super well and someone you build around and your dog player, the one that has been in the doghouse and uh, not playing as well as they need to. Uh, and uh, we did not rehearse this, so I don't know. I have no idea who you guys are picking. Uh, we could start with the uh, gods first. Go nice first. Uh, Dom, you're up first. Who would be my god of the LCS? Hmm. God player of the LCS in the first three weeks. Six games down. God or dog? What are we doing first? God. We're god. going god first. Okay. We leave okay. it spicy for the end. Who's my god player of the LCS so far? Oh, man. It's really tough. Like, I don't think there's anyone that's been like a super god so far. Uh, I mean, I guess one of the, the easy ones I could say would be... Oh, man, I guess I could say closer. I feel like even in the losses for 100 Thieves, I feel like closer is still really fucking good. I think he might be one of the best players in the entire LCS right now. Um, so even though he was put on Trundle these last couple games, it seems like he's really the reason why 100 Thieves won in the first place, and he still looks like he's in good form. There's nothing that makes me believe that he's going to be getting out jungled by anyone um, in terms of actual matchups. I think 100 Thieves lives and dies by the same things that they've been living and dying by. Can they engage? Like, will they ever learn how to set up a, a fight with vision beforehand? Or like, yeah, all those things. So I'll go with my God being closer. Okay. All right. Monty. I'm going to pick a player that hasn't even played all the games, which is our Lord of supports descending from the or JJ. Obviously everybody wanted to see him make his glorious return. He has risen after being dead in visa purgatory. So uh, uh, overall, fantastic. I mean, you could see the difference. Like people talk about Ayla or Isla or whatever his name is. Nobody cares because nobody's going to see him again. Um, and you look at Core JJ <laughs> and he, he comes in with in two games with nearly 90 percent kill participation uh, all over the map, creating enormous pressure, just wandering into mid, blowing summoners. Like the effect that this guy not only has on the 2v2 on lane in, in his own lane, but on every other lane is just insane. And so I it's a delight to see him again. You, you'd you have to believe that anything else than Team Liquid without barring roster changes for other teams, anything else than Team Liquid winning both splits this year is a failing for Team Liquid. All right. Uh, that's that's high pressure, but also that comes with being uh, I look, think look, one of the you don't you don't get you don't get your three like, look, you don't get core JJ a green card, get Bjergsen as an N.A. resident, have Santorin as an N.A. resident, sign Bwipo and then get fucking Han Sama and then expect to do not win LCS like objectively based on the roster. Anything else than two titles this year is a failure. Uh. After both of you guys had real points, I can't pick, you know, Kumo because of his high rate and champions Q or Takui because he sniped the fuck out of bad Abadage. So I'll go with the guy who Takui, lit it up. He's funny. <laughs> he, he's great. He, he's a very good interview, but I'll, I'll go with another great interview and uh, a guy who has lit up his role uh, in Berserker, who has come in and uh, hasn't really made too many wrong steps, did a willingness to play like the weird shit on the cart this as well, but 
Uh, that Aphelios game is going to stick out for quite some time uh, with Berserker just kind of running through the 80 carry role where we've seen other people struggle. We've seen Neo struggle. We've seen Danny not be unlocked quite yet. We've seen uh, Turtle. We've seen Tactical uh, struggle, uh, and he is thriving in this 80 carry meta and uh, being put in position to carry and carry. And I think that's always something you want to see. Divine AD carry play is what I live for. And uh, Berserker has provided it for Cloud9. Uh, so let's go to let's go to the, everyone's favorite. It's time for the dog. Who's been the dog uh, in the doghouse? So go ahead, uh, Dom. You can go first. Or we can go inverse. I, I know who I've picked. Okay, sure. Go inverse. All right. <laughs> Hold on. I have, to, I have to look at I have to contemplate. <laughs> you have to relook. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, God, it would, it just hurts, right? Because, like, anytime I pick someone, I'm like, ah, I'm not interviewing that guy anytime soon. <laughs> so that makes it really easy to pick someone on TSM. However, uh, I think that's too easy. I think for me, the dog player, and I, you know, I mean this in the sense of the word of like, uh, they're in the dog house. It has to be my boy Juanito. Uh, contracts has looked bad in the games that they've lost. When he looks good, it, they're great. Well, they've, they've, but, so you realize that they've they've lost five out of the six games, right? Yes, <laughs> and which is crazy because it was literally bad every game. He looks you bad mean, almost they, every they beat, game. They beat Sad Cloud Nine, dude. <laughs> they beat the number one team, Cloud Nine. Yeah, that, that's what I remember. And he was a driving force in that. He turned Blabber back into Crabber, dude. Uh, but Juanito. He has the, and I remember this from Golden Guardians, he is fearless in taking fights. Fearless in taking fights. But I feel like you could go ahead and clip it. There are multiple times now this season where he's gone bot, engaged in a 3v2 with his bot lane, and they either die or lose two. Those are the results. And that's happened in lock-in. That's happened in, L, uh, in uh, regular season. And uh, I think contracts pulling the trigger a little early. Uh, has started to hurt this team because we know how good he can be. So uh, please get out of the doghouse, Quan. All right. That is my pick here at three weeks of the season. All right, Monty, inverse schedule. Who you got? Or inverse uh, order, you, who you got? I don't know. This last week, like, the results were were kind of fucking weird, honestly. Uh... I thought I mean, you had. I thought you really had one. Nah, I mean th there have been there have been a bunch of like kind of individually bad play. Like Abadage's game against FlyQuest was kind of shockingly terrible. Uh, I thought that's what I thought you were going. Yeah, you're yeah, gonna do like I, a classy doghouse. <laughs> yeah, basically, it, it not. I just don't want to see this guy playing Corky, and I, I don't want to see him standing next to Full Fury Trindemirs, and I don't want to see him like packaging across a Vagar in the back line, like. It's just it, the whole performance was pretty sad overall, um, but it's also not entirely his fault that they lost. Like I said at the beginning, a lot of it was kind of the gold swing that was able to come back due to the objective bounties. I mean, I feel like the entire TSM, based on Dom's excellent monologue earlier, uh, is, is kind of there as well. But it's harder to single out somebody in that. Case. Oh, I can single out one. Oh, <laughs> you wanna, okay, you there you go. Dog? Is there anything more dog for a top laner than playing only supports and fucking following around your AD carry the entire game? Like that is the ultimate dog about being, top laner. How about how about how about being a what we've known as is a very aggressive lane forward 
top laner who will play Lucian and go ham on people. And then he's been so gaslit by his own coaches that he thinks smite top is fun now. It's fun. It's yeah. good. They've it actually mind controlled player. him. They've actually that, just that, mind controlled him. Look, they've, Something T1 could just, do. They, they've completely destroyed his will to, to top lane at this point in time. He's just a shell of himself. I mean, look, if that's not a dog top liner, I don't know what the fucking dog top liner is. Like if, I, if the top liner is going, if, if you say to your top liner, like, Hey, can you actually buy a support item and follow our jungler around for the, for the remainder of the game, starting at level three or starting at level one, depending on how like much of a bitch you are, you know, like then, and, and they're be... like, yeah, no, every game I'll do it. Every game. Like that is a dog top liner. That is a yeah. dog top. I, I, I like I'm looking at the list of players like Jenkins and Kuma would do that. They'd be like, yeah, sure. Anything for the team. Everyone else would have an issue. Licorice it's, would have an it, issue. Is it, Revenge is it, would have an issue. Is it a coincidence that Kumo, Huni, and Jenkins all sound like names you would name your dog? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. They're all dog names. My, <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd name my dog <laughs> Jenkins. <to be> <laughs> <laughs> You've named you name your dog Mr. Jenkins, not Jenkins. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but Kum, Kumo and Huni are definitely dog names. All right. Who you go to Monty Dogs? <laughs> I, I, I told you, I told, I'll take Abadage for that, for that performance. All right. All right. Okay. Those are our uh, gods and dogs after three weeks of the LCS. It could always change. It could always change. But uh, for now, uh, that's who we've got here. Um, also, all right, y'all. has dog in his name. So there you go. Mm, Abadage. Uh, all right. I think that does it here for our uh, first episode uh, here of The Jungle. We're back. You can catch us. On Deserto, any uh, closing thoughts here before we wrap it up, boys? Uh, Monty? Uh, tweet at me if you have a dog named Huni or Kumo. Some Somebody does, for sure. Yeah. Or, or uh, Mr. Jenkins. Or Mr. My closing Jenkins. thoughts are, are simply that <laughs> you said that, that Abadage has dog in his, his name, but Huni also has dog in his name. It's just right before. It's TSM right beforehand. So. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> oh, All right. Let's go ahead and call it Nice. You can catch more episodes of The Jungle on Deserto. Head on over to the YouTube channel to catch more of us. You can catch us on our socials, and we'll uh, catch you guys for the next episode of The Jungle. See ya.